Hello and welcome to The Art Podcast. We've reached episode 10 and after a little bit of encouragement, I've decided to share a bit more about myself and what I do when I'm not podcasting. So I asked my friend, the artist David Taylor, who featured in our pilot episode, to interview me. We explore my early years as an artist, talk about how I built up my reputation running pop-up exhibitions and painting the urban landscapes of London, only to move on to a series of mountains and jungles, and eventually open my very own gallery here in Crystal Palace. It's been a hell of a ride so far, and I really can't wait for you to join me in what comes next. Hello, David. Hello there, Tom. Nice to see you again. Yeah, good to see you, mate. Right, so today we are flipping things around. Obviously, I interviewed you for the first episode of this podcast, and we're about nine episodes in now. And I realised it would probably be good of me to introduce the listeners uh, to a little bit about myself. And you've kindly volunteered to be the interviewer, because I thought we had such a great chat on our first episode. Sounds good. You'd be a good person to use. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, asking me to do the job. (laughs) Yeah, nice one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So let me... uh, start kicking it off then and uh ask you now similarly to asked all the other people how you, you actually got involved in art and mm-hmm. whether you, you were involved in art as a young kid or whether it's something that developed later so i wasn't you know in my early years thinking that i was going to be an artist i did get taken to a lot of museums and galleries by my dad but I always actually saw them as quite boring spaces. I wanted to go and run around outside and go crazy. And Mm. I think it was only in sort of secondary school that I started to recognize that I enjoyed being in that creative environment. And then when I went on to A-level, I had a Welsh teacher called Miss Doherty, and she was brilliant. She was the first sort of really impactful art teacher that, that sort of tuned me in to really understanding art. And she said to me, you know, she's the first person to say to me, stop looking at what you think you're looking at and look at what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have a preconceived idea of what we see, of a human, of a leg, of a table. And that actually gets in the way of us looking at the reality of what's in front of us. And so she taught me that lesson. I mean, she also taught me, you know, she was very like hard sort of uh, teacher. And I used to mess around a lot at the time. I remember her saying, Thomas, you dickhead, do some work or I'll chin you. And I was like, okay, like, you know, this is the kind of teacher that yeah, I want. Like I, right. want, I needed that sort of tough love to, yeah. to make me concentrate because I was a bit, you know, I was a bit of a joker and I was, I enjoyed being silly in class and stuff like that. But um, yeah, there was a good sort of creative environment through my A-level and together with the other students, I think that's the first time I was in that environment maybe there was a, a little bit of competitiveness as well. Like mm. we kind of would produce our work and then, I don't know, I guess show off a little bit with each other. And mm. there were some really talented kids in that class. And um, wh- whereabouts was this? Was this that in, was in a, London? Uh, a, a school called Graveney in Southwest London near Tooting. And yeah, it's a state school, but actually at the time it had some of the top A-level sort of results country. So, uh, you, so you were born in, in London? Yes, yeah, so I was born and raised in Herne Hill. And I spent, uh, which is in South London, and yeah, spent my youth just running around, um, yeah, the parks and mm. and city and the urban landscape, yeah. And I've got uh, my mum's Italian uh, and my dad is Irish, so both immigrants uh, that met and settled here back in the late or no, yeah, late seventies, early eighties. 
So when, when, you, when you left school, what career path did you, you go on to then? So after school, I went on to a art foundation at Camberwell College of Art, uh, which is part of the University of Arts London. And I spent a year there um, exploring sort of different possibilities, you know, so there was a bit of sculpture, there was a bit of this, a bit of that. But I decided not to stay on there. I didn't feel like it really fit with my, I don't know, it didn't, it, my, I had a teacher that was a minimalist, right? Uh, and at the time, I was still ex- playing a lot with sort of representation and that didn't gel very well um, because they tried to kind of force their ideology on me um, as opposed to try and take what I was doing and and mm-hmm. nurture that or let that grow. It was just trying to force me to go in the other direction. Mm-hmm. So there was that aspect of art school that, that didn't quite gel with me. I, and I also, yeah, I don't know. There was something about that environment that, it, that wasn't for me. So I went on and I studied a joint honours degree uh, at Northampton, which was in fine art painting. So half my time was with that course and the other half of my time was in advertising. So they were two very much separate courses and I was doing a joint honours. So I spent half the time with one and half time with the other. And uh, to the advertising people, I wasn't a proper advertiser and to the artist, I wasn't a proper artist, but... Mm. I don't know, I feel like in my mind, I kind of, every time I was in an advertising class, I was thinking, how could I apply this to my art? Because I thought actually it would be good to know how to sell the work. And in fact, I'd started selling my work when I was about 17, 18. Uh, And I think when I went to the foundation at Camberwell, I went in with a bit, I don't know, I guess a bit of an ego, like, well, I'm already selling my work. Like, mm. they're going to teach me how to sell my work. But mm. they did, no, they wanted to make mm. me a minimalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think there was something in that. Like, I kind of just wanted to equip myself with the understanding of the business um, to get myself off the ground. So, fr- so from the word go, really, basically, you were driven for a, a career in art. I guess so, yeah. I don't know if it was obviously clear to me that that's what I was doing I, I I think I just you know I was painting obsessively and then once I realized I could sell it it was such a thrill that I thought oh you know let me hmm. you know at that age you know even after university I interned in a gallery in in West London called the London West Bank Gallery and it was great fun that's kind of where I learned the sort of the events side of things the events side of um, the art world and this gallery specialized in street artists. So they had Banksy's and a guy called Mau Mau and Riker and all these different street artists. And they were putting on these great events, which really combined sort of music, art, culture, and just mixed it all into these great sort of launch nights, really like immersive things. And, you know, I just really like that environment. And also, I'm a, you know, I like to, I like a good drink and I like a party. And I, I, I was just going to say, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you, the, the event side of it, I think you learned quite a lot because yeah. you seem to do that quite well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think even um, when I was younger, like before any of this was anything to do with my business, I've always been one that was like, if it was a birthday or if it was an event or if it was a party, I'd be really like, Hmm. you know, going out there, telling people to get involved. And like, you know, I quite enjoyed bringing people together and getting a crowd and having a nice drink. So I thought, oh, hold on a minute. Not only do I get to sell the paintings that I like, but I get to put put on parties, basically. (laughs) Um, And sometimes, you know, 
I, the events can lean too much in the party direction and other times it can yeah. be more focused yeah. on the I don't know like the art but I, I do feel like that that atmosphere and that community that comes around the events really adds a lot to of course yeah. to to the whole experience for the for the artists and the um the people that are buying the art so what kind of work were you originally doing when you, you sort of set off? What, what, what yeah. was your genre of, so of work? I've gone through a lot of different phases. When I was in A-level, I was very into surrealism and I was doing a lot of automatic painting. It wasn't with any sort of intention. It was like try to paint in the absence of thought. Um, and if you catch yourself putting too much control into it, then you need to mm. sort of go against that. Mm. And then after a while, I found that to be too um, loose and, and I, I kind of would use that as a starting point and then put structures of what was in my brain onto the work. I, uh, I, yeah, I mean, when I was like in my late teens, I used to take quite a lot of drugs. I did a series at one point where I just took different drugs and painted. So I took ketamine and painted and whatever I saw on ketamine I took ecstasy and I painted I took cocaine and I painted and I did this series of which were the best paintings <laughs> well the, the ketamine one I, I, there was like lots of fishes growing out of eyes growing it was very like you know trippy and yeah, weird right, okay and the uh, the cocaine one was a lot of aggressive straight lines uh, <laughs> so and, and, I don't know yeah it was uh, and, uh, are these paintings that you sold no they there's still tucked away somewhere in the attic at my parents house there are acrylics um somewhere (laughs) somewhere i i I soon realized it wasn't a very sustainable way of making work but um it was definitely an interesting exercise um, to have done but um so yeah early on i was very much into the surrealist stuff and then after the first year at uni i think i started to sort of settle into like getting into and i think because i was working at these street art galleries I was started to do sort of stencil work. So spray paint stencil work um, of cityscapes. I think I was influenced by a street artist called Dank or Dan Kirchner, who had done a show at the gallery. And I started doing these sort of spray paint city pieces. But I think after a year of doing that, I, I came back to what I originally had fallen in love with, which was just painting with brushes uh, and oil painting. And so I got really into oil painting and I started painting, you know, funnily enough, whilst in Northampton, I'd go back to London and I'd and I'd start taking photographs of street scenes and and I'd start to to paint these these urban landscapes of London. And yeah, I kind of ran with that for about five years from the age of probably 24, 23, 24 up to, yeah, 29 or so. Yeah, the ages of, yeah, between those ages. Yeah, no, great. Yeah, so you've always worked in oil, basically. Is oil your preferred medium? Yeah, yeah. There's something about the the vibrancy of of oil painting when it dries on the. I mean, you know this. You're an oil painter, but having done acrylic and oil, and I I guess this is also down to the quality of the materials you're using. You can get very good quality acrylics. You can get very bad quality mm-hmm. oils. Yep, yep. But I generally find overall when the paint dries you know um, all paint looks great and luminous when it's wet but when it dries i found that oil paint retains the pigment retains its strength Mm. where acrylic paint it kind of goes a bit it can go a bit flat it can go you know and i know there's mediums you can use to to increase that um or to reduce that that sort of flatness but 
But yeah, I just enjoyed the way that the oil, the earthiness of the pigments just sort of retain their strength even after drying. So um, now you've got the gallery up here in Crystal Palace. Um, yeah. What was the inspiration and the thought process behind that? Well, it's been a, a long journey because when I... So after working in that street art gallery when I was, you know, uh, during university, I came back from uni and I did a year more there. It was all unpaid. It was bloody unpaid internships. And, it, you know, they offered me offered to pay me like very little. But again, a, a, li a little bit too little too late. Um, and I was doing some events work, bar staffing and things like that. And eventually I organized a, uh, uh, an exhibition at the Ginny Avent Gallery in East Dulwich, uh, in, again, South London. And I sold out the show and it was a show of my work. And I had a bit of cash, not a, cr a crazy amount, but I just said to myself, I'm not going to go back to, to pouring coffees or, you know, you know, doing bar staffing. Like I've done, I'm done with that. I need to focus on this. Mm -hmm. So I've got a studio in Waterloo called the Make Space Studios. And I stayed there for five years and I built myself up as this urban landscape painter. And during that time, from about the age of 25, I started organizing pop-ups. And I think that's kind of the time when me and you met each other was when I was doing pop-ups and I created a brand called Focus London and yeah, was just renting different galleries, you know, in uh, the Mernier Gallery, which is in London Bridge, um, the old Brompton Gallery in Earl's Court. Mm -hmm. um, and I was I was organizing, calling up different artists and and just kind of experimenting because I felt like, uh, I don't know, without sort of applying for awards and getting permission which always felt like an uncertainty. Like, how would I get my work out there? And I was fed up of waiting. So I just thought, I'll just organize my own events. And then you know, there was enough other artists that wanted to do the same. So I'd rent the venue, they'd pay me some cash to participate and that would go towards the venue fees and the booze. And then we put on our events and that, that was great for about five years. But um, yeah, in the pandemic, I was doing quite well with my sales and I needed a bigger studio. And I found a unit across the road from me because I was now living in Crystal Palace. And I thought, do you know what? I looked at a few industrial units, you know, thinking I'll just continue having the studio mm -hmm. doing the pop-ups. Mm -hmm. And they yeah. were more expensive. You know, it was more expensive to get an industrial unit yeah. than it was yeah. a shop. And I thought, well, I'll just get a shop and then I can have everything under one roof, you know. It's a great idea. It's a yeah. really good idea. Um, and... I think in the back of my mind, I'd always wanted to have my own gallery. I think it was always something that I wanted to explore. For years, I was, you know, flirting with the idea and looking at, you know, every so often looking on property websites and just going, you know, oh, I'd like to do that. But always thinking, oh, bloody hell, like, you know, X amount per year. And I just see this big figure and think, no way. But I think all the things just kind of came into line during that pandemic periods you know mm. my, my mm. sales went up i suddenly had all the money in the bank mm. that the venue became available because the last tenant it was no longer feasible for them to do business during the pandemic and i managed to organize a lease you know uh, negotiate that during a time that was full of uncertainty so yeah that's how it, it sort worked, of it came well. about the pandemic worked well for you really yeah i mean and i know that it you know it, it was a, a difficult time for a lot of people. Mm. Oh, funnily enough, for the people who... Yeah, winners who, and losers, and luckily... Well, well yeah. yeah, I mean, it's also like artists generally are the losers. So yeah. it was quite 
ironic that in the time when there was a lot of people losing out, actually artists did quite well. So I was well set up for um, for selling online. Um, and, you know, obviously everyone was at their computers during the pandemic. And yeah, like it was just that period of time where for those people that were lucky enough to keep their jobs, you know, they had their expendable uh, income and they couldn't go on holiday. They couldn't go to the theatre. They couldn't do anything but they were spending a lot of time at home so they all decided you know you know what let's invest in our houses in our gardens in our you know furniture or, or artworks um and so we had f for those artists that were able to sort of utilize that time and their sort of ability to capture people's attention online it was it was quite a profitable um period of time and actually i i just changed during the pandemic from five years <clears throat> of of painting cities to painting mountains and i started this whole new series called the rugged peak series yeah what, what brought on that chain of subject matter yeah i mean basically when the when the pandemic happens um the city went dead and uh, my whole thing with the city was this sort of this bustling uh, metropolis you know that was the thing that was capturing my attention so much as uh, in, in my mid twenties, that was what was exciting me. Like the, and I was partying a lot, so it was like going out. It was, it was this excitement, the crowds, um, the bars, uh, the street life. It was all about the people in the city. And then we got to the pandemic, and that just became dead. I did a couple of paintings of the sort of ghost town because I thought it'd be interesting to record this. But after doing a few of those. I, I just didn't feel the same energy and I've done a lot of sort of large travels in my time and I've climbed a few mountains and I went back to those trips, back to those images and started painting them and just, yeah, I just thought, you know what, it's a weird time. I'm just going to try something different. I didn't think it was going to totally take me off track to what I'd done, you know, totally before that. So I went down that path, um, I explored doing lots of mountains and I, and I got really stuck into it and I, I absolutely loved it. I started painting with a, with a paint roller, um, I started using totally different palettes and I started, yeah, I just totally changed everything about what I had done for the last five years and there was something really liberating about that because I, I guess I painted myself into a box with the style that I had and that was, don't get me wrong, that was doing me really well you know, my reputation was built around, you know, you're the city guy. Mm -hmm. um, so it didn't come without hesitation or a little bit of fear, you know, to commit myself to this new path. Because I had a lady in Notting Hill uh, from Select Gallery, Anna Maria, uh, a lovely gallerist, who was selling my urban landscape paintings. Uh, and when I said, by the way, I'm starting a new series of mountains, are you interested in showing them? She said, no, uh, you know, you're the urban landscape guy. And I totally understand why she said that. You know, she's got a business to run. She yep. just doesn't know what yep. to expect. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of it, as an artist, I kind of felt like I don't want to be put into a box. And I, I am enjoying this this new sort of mm -hmm. yep. thread to my work. So I am gonna gonna push down that path. And and it turned out to be it proved to be a very very popular series, which lasted about two years. So after I'd used up all of my imagery, I started speaking with photographers online, a lot of adventure photographers um, from all over the world. And I asked them permission, like, do you mind if I take inspiration from the photos you've got? 
and I just ran with it. You know, we kept coming in and out of lockdowns and I just kept painting these these mountains, these peaks, these very like dramatic sort of solo person on the top of a peak. Um, and at one point I got out to the Dolomites and I, I did some work there. Mm -hmm. But generally, because I'm from London and I live in London, um, it got to the point that I was using so many other people's images. After a couple of years, I, I just thought, you know what? It doesn't feel as authentic anymore. Yeah. You know, this isn't, these aren't, and there was a few which were from my images, but there, there wasn't a sustainable enough amount from my images that I could make that, you know, a series that I could continue whilst living in London, mm -hmm. you know, without knocking up a lot of uh, air miles. So yeah, after that, I, uh, which was basically September 21, I, I went, I tried to come back to the city stuff, but, but everything was a bit different. And um, I was, you know, I had the gallery now. I was up in Crystal Palace and uh, I wasn't in Waterloo anymore. I couldn't just walk out on my doorstep and be in the hustle and bustle. I was in a very green, mm -hmm. you know, like quite family parky sort of area. And I ended up doing lots of parks and they were they were satisfying and they were quite popular, but they weren't quite what I was looking for as a place to explore my creativity and then one day I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go to the woods and, and I'm just going to, I'm going to take the woods as the inspiration. I'm going to get rid of the people and the architecture completely. I'm, I'm just going to paint some woodlands. I went into Dulwich Woods and I, I did that series. And then very soon after, me and my fiance, Sam, we went to Costa Rica and yeah, then, I was, then was, I was in yeah, the jungle. This, this was a big influence, I think, yeah. Massive, yeah massive so yeah i was in the jungle and it was just a whole another planet you know it was yeah costa rica is incredibly beautiful country um so much wildlife so much botany so mm. much yeah diversity and i came back and just painted with a vengeance i had it took a whole month off and when i came back in february last year i just i said right i've got i gave myself quite a short deadline <laughs> Of, of two months so I said I'm going to build up a solo show and I'm going to do that and yeah absolutely worked with a vengeance and came out with this show and mm. filled the gallery with plants from a local plant shop and then uh, a brewer friend of mine uh, he he made beers with pineapple and coconut in them and then I was a couple of days before the show you know googling like what how what smells of the of the jungle can you get so i uh i got like an oil diffuser and let the, yeah. the smells come into the show so when you came in you're literally pushing plants out the way to look at the artworks and you could smell you know what you know as as close an attempt to the yeah, rainforest course, as possible yeah. Yeah, it's good. and drinking nice uh ipas with <laughs> pineapple flavors in them and stuff like that so did, did you do any sketching while you were in uh costa rica or was it so, just purely visual so when I was there, I didn't do any sketching. It was very much a joint holiday with Sam and we, you know, wanted it to be that way. So I, I took a lot of photographs, tons of photographs and just sort of soaked it up. Also just used it as, a, as an excuse yeah. to chill out and, and, you know, setting up the gallery was quite an intense experience. Mm -hmm. So it's been, it was a nice break, you know, and, uh, but by the time I got back to work, uh, I was yeah, very yeah. much like aching Fired to... Up. To, to get back to my canvas and I, I'd say as an artist I am I, I'm a you know I'm a colorist you know with with brushes and with paint mm -hmm. I do sketch I mean I've, I've been doing life drawing this year uh, for the last 12 months at my gallery 
and uh yeah that's every couple of weeks and that's that, that's great yeah, fun that's another uh, sort of string to your your bow yeah which, how's that going is it's, it's going well it is yeah so I, I added life drawing to the gallery in march last year um as a, as an opportunity to to really get into it myself I, I i'd only done it a handful of times back at uni and like i said like i predominantly work with color and with brushes and mm-hmm. so it's been an interesting challenge to work with firstly the human form which is infinitely difficult you know all the foreshortening and Mm -hmm. such a you know variety of body types and there's no architectural lines it's all organic you know but unlike a unlike a tree if you get the eye in the wrong place it really looks weird so you gotta you gotta (laughs) really know what you're looking at and I feel like I'm getting a lot better at it um I'm not quite at the point yet that I'm ready to paint people Mm-hmm. in their in their as like, like like life life models and uh, nudes and stuff like that i i think at some point potentially in the next couple of years i might start to move in that direction would you see yourself as a as a portrait artist or the only thing about portrait um being a portrait artist that turns me off um i, I love the idea of doing it but i know that the the, the way you have to do that as a profession means that you end up doing lots of commissions because if you're doing a portrait of someone you do a portrait for the sake of doing a portrait Mm -hmm. someone might love it and buy it but at the same time a lot of people will say oh cool but why do i want you know unless it's a celebrity or you know amy winehouse or Jimi hendrix or someone very well known why would they want that person on their wall so they see the skill and they, they appreciate it but then they want you to do them yeah and everyone has... Then, you, then you've got to get a well, likeness. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. But not <laughs> yeah. just that, that, getting a likeness. It's everyone has an idea of what they look like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my nose isn't that big. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe they want to be complimented <laughs> a bit, you know. And I, yeah. I, that really turns me off from yeah. the idea of, of doing, being exclusively a portrait artist or, or you know, a figurative mm-hmm. artist because I, I can see then getting in, and I've spoken to different portrait artists about this, how you can get into these back and forths you know okay the painting's finished well could you just edit this yeah okay you edit that and then you yeah. go back oh can you just do this and yeah i think you get a lot more of that than you would otherwise in you know you know in your style or in my style mm-hmm. um you know with your with your sort of atmospheric landscapes uh, you know it's it's a sensation you know and if 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 someone is into your style i think they can trust that you're going to create something within that realm even if they ask for a, a slight tweak to the palette beforehand. Um, so thankfully, with the way I operate now, I don't get too many re- requests after I say that the commission is finished. Right, you okay. Know? But that, that all goes down to sort of um, uh, expectations and having a very clear conversation before starting any work to, to, to set the ground rules and establish like what you're going to do for them. And I think if you do that well enough, you don't end up with with any uh, back and forth with with the the landscapes that you're doing now what sort of percentage of your work is actually commission based good question um i i've definitely gone down in my commissions because i've started to take less commissions um i've realized that um the the way that i do them is is now twice a year I do commissions. So in the quiet periods when I have my exhibitions, that's the best time to do my commissions mm-hmm. because I'm not building up for a show. But if I know that I'm building up for a show, then I'm not like yeah. now, for of example, course. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. doing any commissions <laughs> until later in the year. 
But yeah, percentage-wise, it's probably about 10%. Yeah. Yeah, which is actually, you know, it's quite nice. I think yeah. in the in previous years, it had been possibly 30 or 40%. Uh, probably 30%. And I feel like I'm being quite deliberate in trying to push into doing more of of my own work and less commission-based work. And when yeah. I do take a commission, I really try to emphasize to get the client to get me to do something that I'm interested in that I'm currently working on. You know, obviously, I remember in the early days, when, can you paint my cat? You know, when I was yeah. desperate, yeah. you know, yeah. that then I would be painting someone's <laughs> cat. But luckily, that's, yeah. you know... That is, um, I, I would probably pass them on to someone else now yeah, if yeah. someone asked me to do that. Unless it, I, it's it's, it's amazing how the public feel because you're an artist. You can yeah. you can sort of paint anything really. Yeah. They don't sort of respect your 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 style of art or or your subject matter. You know. Yeah. Well, it's like going into a fish and chip shop, well, exactly. shop and saying, "Can you make me some noodles?" I, I, exactly. You know, it's yeah. like yeah, well, yeah, yeah. you know. They might they might be able to do it, but it might not be yeah. their speciality. It might not they, they might be able to make you noodles. Exactly. It might exactly, not be great yeah. noodles though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you want great noodles, <laughs> go to so, the Chinese. <laughs> so now you you you're on this sort of um, subject of these woodland scenes. Yeah. How do you see your work progressing in the next years? Uh, maybe that's uh, yeah. a bit of a difficult question, really, when you're looking ahead uh, yeah. of, of what direction you feel you would take your work so i'll go back a tiny bit before i go forward um in the last year so since the jungle series i'm i've all, I always i am and i always have been very experimental with my approach to painting um I, sometimes i almost feel like i've got you know multiple per, multiple artist disorder you know like I, I i one day i'm painting with um a, a great sensitivity to the light and the next day i'm painting with uh <laughs> a, a sensitivity to the texture or it kind of feels like whichever day i wake up it, whatever mood i'm in mm -hmm. um really affects my process uh, last year when i was doing the jungles i, I kept everything green predominantly green um, and I, I came up with some really interesting sort of palettes, but I almost feel like once I've once I've achieved like that 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 sweet spot in the palette, mm -hmm. I do it a few times and then I have to move on. It, it's, it's something about my nature. It's like half of the discovery in my painting is 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 painting up to this point of perfection, and then I can only repeat it a certain amount of times before I lose it again, mm -hmm. and then I have to move on. So. Last year was very much about texture, um, about very uh, about color for sure. Because I all green for about half a year, and then I went all red for about half a year. I was doing red jungles, you know, yep. peachy jungle colors. Yep. And moving forward this year, I'm using the landscape of our woodlands uh, of British woodlands as an opportunity to explore more abstraction um, and really just delicious color palettes. I want the colors on my canvas now to be sort of just a delight to look at. I want very uh, vibrant, um, yeah, yeah, delicious colors, but using the sort of British landscape as a loose structure around which to base those colors. So I, I, yeah, I feel like I'm pushing more into abstraction and, and being experimental with that. Do you think you will stay with the, genre of landscape or have you ever thought about going away from landscape going purely into abstraction 
it's an interesting question. I mean, I've I've always been very I like to to structure things from reality. I mean, I guess that is abstraction in itself. You're abstracting. You're like mm. um, subtracting mm. sections of the reality to to leave other parts or dialing up certain aspects and removing others. But I feel like having a, a connection with some aspects of reality, uh, of visual mm -hmm. motifs and symbols, gives me a good grounding and actually gives me a nice structure around which to base that abstraction. But at the moment, it, I'd still say it's, you know, 50-50. There's still a lot of reality in that yeah. work. And I, yeah, I, it's really um, organic. I don't know where it's going to go. And I guess that's kind of the joy, the joy in it is it's just keeping digging, 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 well, digging. It's keeping the creative process alive. Yeah. I think this is important. Yeah. And I, I think whichever style you decide to try next it's all going to come together to be a unique tom cox style i guess yeah I, I think i've got a few threads to my bow now you know i've had the city series which was with ink and oil which is very distinctive i had the rugged peak series which was you know oil painting but it was uh, palette knives and paint rollers which again became its own distinct style um I think within the Plant Life series so far, I've actually had the most variety in uh, different applications of paint. But yeah, I, I feel like having come from the five years of doing the la urban landscape, once I open the door to trying new subjects, that feeling of playing with new materials, of just responding to how you're feeling in that moment and, and just playing with new palettes... I feel like I just want to keep keep that door open and not get too restrained um, whilst I can, you know. And I, I think I'll naturally start to to gravitate towards a certain style. Um, or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll keep exploring. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's the joy. Of course, yeah. yeah. Well, we've talked about your work and uh, how that's developing. Let, let's just touch on the gallery now. What, yeah. how, what, how do you feel about the gallery? What's the... What's in the pipeline for the gallery? Yeah, so the gallery, um, you know, like I said, I did five years of pop-ups and I was trying different business models within that. You know, sometimes I was doing participation fees and uh, taking a small commission. And then, you know, the, I did one time, I did a show where I, I paid for everything and <laughs> I lost a lot of money. That was in Charing Cross in like 2016, I think. Mm -hmm. Um but as a as the gallery as a gallerist, um, I definitely feel like I'm learning a lot. I've learned so much in the last couple of years, um, just in terms of um, presentation. That's a huge one. Uh, you know uh, how the artists frame their work, how collectors want stuff to be framed. Mm -hmm. I mean, framing is a whole other <laughs> you know topic of conversation I could mm. go into for hours. But um, yeah, just learning the presentation, and when you're in a gallery setting. When you, when you put that hat on, when people come through your door, you are a consultant for them. You're trying to find them something that they want, that maybe they haven't discovered yet. Maybe you haven't discovered it yet. So if you've got it on your walls, you can let that guide you. Um, and then if you haven't got it yet, then it's something you kind of want to discover. But I love it. You know, I love it. Um, I've always done my own events, you know, for the last seven years, even with the pop-ups. Uh, now I just get to do it all under one roof and I don't have to drive around in a van as quite as much. I remember briefly, I think we chatted once about the possibility of 
opening another gallery in a different area of London. I mean, are you quite happy to stay in Crystal Palace for the sort of foreseeable future or? Yeah, so for the foreseeable, I definitely will be remaining in Crystal Palace. I think there's definitely opportunity to open further galleries. Now that I've been here for a couple of years, I can see how I'm getting into the rhythm of it, how I'm learning a lot more, how I'm learning how to better present other people's work and also to balance that with myself as an artist. I guess there's always the <clears throat> there's always the risk that if I lean too far in that direction, you know, I will move further away from being an artist because there's only so much time in the day. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's something th that I've always um struggled with, but something that I've always been sort of excited by doing both. I, yeah. I, I don't think being an artist alone would be enough to satisfy my personality but I, I definitely don't want to lose that but I think you've got something unique really because uh, being an artist and the owning the gallery it gives the the clients a personal touch in as much that when people do go into galleries say uh, in central London a they feel a little bit intimidated because it's a, a very sort of a elitist sort of style of uh, of selling work but the fact that you are actually painting in the gallery makes it a little bit more accessible to people that yeah. feel oh this is a bit different it's not so sort of um stuffy, stuffy. <laughs> exactly yeah not so stuffy yeah yeah i think that when i used to do my london stuff i'd be painting on the streets of london and I'd, i was mm. used to a crowd yeah um, so i'm not shy you know about exposing people to my process as much as it's painful for someone to comment on something that's not finished um but now you know i paint like a fish in a bowl because people can walk past and see me doing that and they can come in and interact with me as that's happening I think this, this if is, they're into it yeah. i can go down that path and if they want to talk about someone else's work i can switch yep. switch hats and go and go down that path so yeah it's an interesting um concept of having the studio within the gallery that definitely comes up with its own challenges as well keeping it clean <laughs> well yeah. that's a big one yeah to, i don't really like painting on an easel actually i quite like painting on a wall mm. and so i often get paint all over my wall and all over my floor and then i have to you know once a week i'm basically giving the a, a fresh lick of paint on the wall to, to to sparkle it up for the weekend well, I think we seem to have covered all topics of... Yeah, I think so. ...where you've been and where you're going. Yeah. So. Well, also, so coming up this year, um, I'm currently working on uh, an exhibition of woodlands. I'm exploring a more graphic, uh, abstract style uh, and using our sort of winter woodlands as a as a loose structure around which to, to build these canvases. Um, I'm about halfway through making the work for it and that's going to launch at the end of March. So the 30th of March, put it in your diaries. That is going to be the launch night. Right. Uh, who knows what kind of flavoured booze we're going to have for that, but <laughs> I'll try and make it as exciting as last time. How many pieces of work will you have? Uh... So I've done six, seven. I've just finished my seventh um, and I need a, I don't know, I've got this one next to me, which um, is two metres by one metre 30. That's, That's going to take up the big back wall. Fabulous. I'm going to do that one last because I want to kind of, as I'm exploring a new style, I want to right, stand yeah. back from it yeah. all and get a gauge and go, right, which one of these is working the best? And then follow that onto this okay. giant canvas. Yep. So I'm doing that for the end of March. That's going to go all the way through April. And then I've got an exhibition coming up in um, May 
which is going to launch on the 4th of May. It's up for about uh, four weeks, but I don't know. We might extend it. Um, but that's called M2. Uh, and it's a really simple concept. Um, and it's basically uh, every artist that I've invited has to make uh, an artwork, which is a meter squared. And it sounds really simple. And I'm, I'm starting to think my, you know, with my uh, vision as a sort of curator when I do my shows, simplicity has actually always worked really well for me. Um, and I think that when I see all the works, all these meter square artworks in symmetry around the same room, I think it's just going to hang beautifully. Yeah, good It's going to allow yeah. for all the different styles yep. to uh, to kind of sit together in one place. Similar to last year uh, in uh, in spring when I did the, well, in May actually, I did the Peche Melange exhibition, yep. which was just a sort of tongue-in-cheek like fun uh celebration of summer really and i invited nine different artists all to make works which were uh peach using the peach color palette which you were involved in yep and it was fantastic like the work the room looked amazing um and it was so many different styles so uh, different sizes of artworks different styles different materials but it was all peach and the room just glowed, you know. And again, we had mm. the peach bellinis and the peach canapes and, yeah. and all the other stuff came into it as well. But um, so, yeah, this next one will be more right. on, on the scale of the work. And that's going to hopefully... I think that's going to... Yeah, I think that's going yeah, to be good. The, the yeah. thought of seeing all these metre square canvases lined up, it's going to be uh, quite impactful, I think. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So, yeah, we've got lots of exciting stuff to look forward to this year great and uh yeah hopefully this gives people a uh, better idea of who i am and uh why i do the things that i do well uh, yeah <laughs> i think and it's been a pleasure to uh, interview you tom and find out a little bit more about what makes you tick yeah. and uh wish you all the best for the future you're doing well and continue what you're doing and party party <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i'm gonna be busy soon because i've got a baby due in two days oh so that's another story let's see what happens <laughs> <laughs> all right cheers guys all right bye, bye tom bye, bye.